fleets ran vertically. And of course, when you stripped your knee, they open up and then you strain your leg. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to M Pavilion. I wish to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land, the Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation, and pay respect to the elders both past, present and future, but also extend this welcome to all elders who are living in Melbourne. So my name's Timothy Moore from Sibling Architecture, and you're part of a larger group, uh, series of workshops or talks or conversations today called Designing an Age-Friendly City. So looking at how Melbourne is growing um, in terms of population and also more people being over the age of 65. And we're, we're, we're asking the question how we can make Melbourne a more inclusive city. So this morning there was a workshop with grandparents and grandchildren um, looking at the future. This afternoon there'll be designers in here as well looking at how to create social spaces and in the afternoon, late evening, there'll also be another panel. But I'm very excited today to welcome you all here for the coming back outballing conversation. And I've got Tristan sitting next to me, but I don't feel like I need to give him an introduction at all. You, you guys all know him really well, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself then, Tristan. But, but I, I heard there's, you, today you're going to be talking about the coming back out ball and also touch upon you all get together monthly and, and have a dance, right? So you'll be talking about this as well. And there's some homework or questions you have asked them to respond to? Absolutely. Uh, Timothy, uh, first and foremost, can we just thank uh, Timothy for hosting us? Sibling Architecture are really um, a, a, a pioneers in terms of creating this day today, which is actually uh, opening up a conversation about how we can actually make Melbourne a more livable city and also consider the needs of um, elderly. And uh, we really commend you for, for hosting the event. Uh, and I also like to well. dance as well, I should say. And um, I have organised dance parties in Melbourne for the queer community as well, so I do have a personal interest in clubbing, dancing as well. And I should also say um, Sibling Architecture have been shortlisted to design the Pride Centre. So um, there's four different architecture offices that have been shortlisted to design the Pride Centre, so maybe that's something we could touch upon later on today in terms of... So design feedback? Uh, we're, we're, what do we want at the Pride Centre? Let's have a chat. Well, no. well, well, the, the, you know, well, you know... The... Inflatables! Inflatables! <laughs> No inflammables. I mean, the, the Pride Centre have gone out to the community to talk about what they want from a Pride Centre, but as an architecture office, we're coming up with a proposal now. So I'm really interested to hear what you all say about what types of spaces that you want in the city, especially how do you design for dance as well and what kind of social spaces are need for dance too. So hopefully you can touch on that a bit. Absolutely. Um, Thank you, everybody, for coming for this very informal conversation. My name is Tristan Meacham, and I would also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we meet today, paying my respects to those of the Kulin Nations, to elders past, present and future. Uh, in the same breath, I would also like to acknowledge my LGBTI elders, the pioneers who have led the way for the privileges that I've inherited, as well as those that have not lived with their true sexual, gendered or cultural identities. I bow down to you all. Um, I would also like to introduce um, a friend and colleague, Marnie Badham. Now, Marnie Badham is uh, a lecturer at RMIT and has really um, been a pioneer, we've got a lot of pioneers here today, uh, in terms of social art practice. Uh, thinking about 
about the ways that arts can change community and impact people of communities. And we are very, very excited to partner with Marnie and RMIT uh, across the Coming Back Out Ball to create an evaluation of the project. The evaluation will give us a little bit of information about what we did right, what we did wrong, but also probably uh, discuss some of the more important issues that are informing the work and the reasons why we wanted to do uh, the Coming Back Out Ball, the social mission behind it and, and the reasons why it's so important. So today is really a touch point uh, as part of that project, providing an open uh, democratic space to have a discussion around the uh, event, but also to think about the social issues that were informing the event, to critique the event as well, to make sure that we're not just saying it was a fantastic event, but we talk about some of the uh, issues that are involved in the event, and then also uh, hopefully f um, finish with a few suggestions for the Pride Centre, but also um, looking towards the future. What do we need to be thinking about as a community together as we look into the future? And let's also problematise that as well. Um, I'd just like to also um, say there's food and catering. Please help yourself. There's plenty of that. And we also have a little bit of a drinks tab as well. So help yourself for a drink at all um, and uh, a coffee. Uh, we'll be here for about an hour of discussion. Uh, not drink, not alcoholic, like tea and coffee. And I saw some people's eyes light up then. Uh, it's, it's, before, it's still before 12. Um, uh, so I guess I'd just like to introduce uh, the project and, my, and myself first before we continue because I know that there's a lot of people that may not have had the great privilege of coming to the queer event of the decade. Uh, but uh, last month we hosted at the Melbourne Town Hall an event called the Coming Back Out Ball. And it was a couple of years in the making uh, and the event was really about celebrating and honouring LGBTI elders, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and intersex elders. It was a spectacular event uh, and uh, over 500 people attended the event. Um, LGBTI elders attended for free, receiving a gorgeous three-course meal uh, and we had some okay performances. Uh, Robin Archer was all right. Uh, she was, yeah, yeah no, pretty good. Uh, we also had um, some, so we, had, we had an amazing lineup of performers. Um, I'm being very um, silly. Robin Archer hosted the event and was absolutely sublime. Uh, Deborah Cheatham and Tony Lalich. Oh, look at that. <laughs> uh, we had um, Jerry Connolly uh, and her, uh, her Majesty the Queen. Uh, she came and visited us. Uh, we also had uh, Tammy Why Not, uh, Lois Weaver. Uh, Carlotta came and performed. The Performing Older Women's Circus. Uh, yippee, yes, we have one of the original members here. Thank you so much. Um, uh, the Melbourne Lesbian and Gay Chorus. Um, am I forgetting anyone else in terms of that? Uh, uh, the Coming Back Out Symphony, uh, conducted by uh, Kathleen McGuire. Um, and I feel like we had many, many other uh, performers. Tony Lalich was performing on the piano. Trapeze. The trapeze, Jared Dewey. Basically, we had so much entertainment, it was just a little bit uh, too much. Carlotta was performing as well. She, was, she sang an amazing song, uh, She's Still Here. Um, and then it turned into quite a celebratory dance party. Um, it really was a spectacular evening and one that I will personally remember for the rest of my life. Um, but uh, over the 12 months beforehand, we spent a lot of time with monthly dance clubs, with a lot of consultation from the community. And the event was only uh, good because of the investment with LGBTI elders and the community who really were my mentors, uh, who informed the way that the event should have happened. Uh, almost two years ago, I remember, we had an event at the City of Melbourne. Was it two years ago, Artie, maybe? And, and Pauline and Lizzie? We all came together and we said, well, this is, 
I said, hi, I'm here and I'd like to create this event. And most people said, who, who the hell are you and what are you doing? And we, that started off a really robust conversation in which a lot of people were able to then feel uh, they were able to contribute to the making of the event. And it really was only through the collaboration with LGBTI elders, many here today, that we had such a fantastic event. So we thought we'd use this opportunity to start another conversation, a way to bookend the fabulous um, how, do we, how do we sort of all come together again after such a fantastic event, uh, to discuss the event, to think about what was important about the event, but also to think about the future as well because it's a big question that I have as to do we, what do we do next? Uh, do we do anything next? Do we just pretend it never happened? Uh, what are some of the things that we need to be thinking about moving into the future? So this is really an open conversation. We'd really love everyone to feel um, the agency to, to uh, open this up so that it becomes a conversation as opposed to um, just, just a number of presentations. We'll, we're going to ask a number of people as well to maybe have a, a, a three to five minute uh, answering a few questions and we'll invite them up next. But I'd just like to um, welcome Marnie Badham as well. Please give her a big round of applause. Thanks, Tristan. Um, this has been really an exciting project to work on and um, have some very interesting conversations as the project's developed. So I'm a researcher that works um, at RMIT University um, and I work in art and public space. But my expertise is around what we call socially engaged arts, community engaged arts, community cultural development. So it's about building community and thinking about social change. Sometimes that happens on an individual level, on a community level, and sometimes it even affects policy or design of cities, which is what this conversation across today is about. So um, when I think about evaluation, it's really a conversation about value and values. It's not so much about counting things or measuring things but it's understanding what the meaning and significance of this work that Tristan and all of you have been involved in. So um, we've been very busy sending out surveys and having conversations. Um, basically, so far, we have 150 survey monkey surveys that have come back, 50 email testimonies, 60 interviews on the night, <laughs> And we're starting to think about um, the event in a number of different ways. Simply as a celebration and spectacle for the night, as a broader movement of social inclusion for elders and GLTBQI community. Some people see it as a political moment, and others see it as an art intervention. So that's where we're at right now, and we've um, put together three questions that we've asked some of you to think about to start conversation off today. We'd like to start with those questions. What was significant about the ball? What was surprising for you about the ball? And what should we consider for the future? So I think there's a few volunteers to start. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess just um, a little bit of context. Uh, feel free to give any answer that you feel. It doesn't necessarily... I mean, we ha we've tried to create a fairly open conversation. So this is a, a safe space uh, for you to actually say whatever you want to say as well. We really encourage a robust, robust discussion. Um, the questions are, what do you think are significant about the ball? What uh, was surprising for you about the ball? And what should we be thinking about the future? 
Um, now, I have asked a few people to maybe speak about that, and I'd like to start maybe with Derek. Derek, would you mind being the first person to, to start? I'll come to you with a microphone. And, and I might just prompt people. Um, I'm going to encourage people to be a little more critical than we are sometimes. <laughs> Usually it's all uh, love and, and uh, smiley faces. Derek. Um, good afternoon, everybody. Um, my name is Derek, as Tristan said. Um, I'm a young 71. Tell me I don't look it. Uh, and I, I live in uh, Yarraville. These days I live alone. I previously had a partner for 11 years, but he unfortunately committed suicide 12 years ago. But um, I've always been a very positive man. I, I went totally blind 22 years ago. And uh, since then I've just kept, you know, kept, kept moving on. I'm a very positive man. I'm also positive. I was diagnosed in... 1985. Uh, now we better get on to the conversation that we're here for. I, um, I was actually asked to the ball through the Positive Living Centre and Tristan rang and uh, I've had as though, I mean I've been out all my life but we won't go there. We'll leave that for another day. Um, but I just feel as though I've come out myself because now that I live alone, not that I'm lonely, but I just miss the you know, the companionship, something to have someone to share things with, etc., etc. And at my, I won't say age, but stage in life, it's a bit hard to sort of um, go out on the scene, so to speak. But anyway, about the ball, I, it just seemed to give me a, a second lease in life. I just felt alive again. It was such a beautiful evening. There was this lovely feeling of love in the air, there were no fights. Everyone got on well. I met quite a number of people I hadn't seen for years. And it was just an exciting space. And a friend I sat with at the media table was telling me about the decorations. And all the acts were very good. Um, and there was a bit for everybody. But it was just a fantastic night. And I, I do hope we can all sort of push and do something towards it making it an annual event because I'm sure it would be something that was full patronised as it was on the night uh, back in October. But it was just such a... I just came out of it... The whole night was also pure entertainment. I came out feeling just wonderful. I felt alive again. It's, it's something hard to explain, but um, I thoroughly enjoyed it and, and people kept on coming up and talking to me and there was, everyone mixed so well. There was, and there was, it felt as though there was lots of love in the air, the whole ambience of the whole event. It, um, and I, I left feeling as though I'd been entertained. The entertainment was great. I hadn't seen Carlotta since I lived in Sydney when I was just a boy. She's aged reasonably well. But, <laughs> but we, won't, we won't go there. I mean, that... That was 51 years ago when I was much younger. And um, and the soprano, she was brilliant. I love the way she did the Evita number and changed a few of the lines. I think she kept some of the ladies in the audience happy, but we won't go there. So, um, Derek, for yes. you, what did you find? Was there something in the night that surprised you, that that you weren't expecting, maybe in terms of the way that you felt or the way that you experienced the night? I, just Just me, myself... I, I felt so proud 
being out with fellow people like myself. Um, and it just gave me this nice, cosy, warm feeling inside that it was like being part of a family, that, you know, I belong. We, uh, I, I just can't think... That, you know, that's, I felt where I was... I felt as I belonged in that group of people. And it was... Um, what also was great on the night was all the Melbourne volunteers, they kept on coming up and chatting. But I have to give Tristan a, just a nice pop on the head because he certainly organised a great event. So uh, looking forward to the future, Derek, what are yeah. some things that you would like to see? You've had this one event and now what do we need to be thinking about uh, moving into the future? I just think perhaps um, we should all, as people, work together on the event, not just leave it to one or two. Um, and it's, it's like um, you are mentioning the um, new Pride Centre in St Kilda. Uh, you know, if you don't... I, I always say to people, I hate talking. I've got a tongue in my head and I use it. Um, and, and for once in my life, I, I don't know, I think the cat's got my tongue. But, no, I, I think perhaps prior to any event like that uh, or prior to anything that's going to happen in the future, perhaps we could have more of these community discussions and we can discuss it and have it out, throw all our ideas in, whether they're good or bad. And it's like when you go to a movie or play, it's good to get down with somebody and, um, and create the play. But um, I can't speak highly enough. It was just pure entertainment. All the acts were great. But I came on, I feel as though, I've, I've not, I mean, I've been out all my life, but I just feel as though at my stage in life, I've come out again. I'm part of a family and I belong. And it gives me a reason for, you know, being here on this planet Earth. Oh. Anyway, I think that's all I've got oh. to say. So Sorry. that's, that's a, re no, thank you so much, Derek. So I think a really interesting take away of moving forward be uh, uh, setting up a committee. That's a really, really wonderful uh, thing for us to be thinking about in terms of how we can grow the event and also how we can think of different ways for the community to feel like they are creating the event, but also that we are also meeting regularly. Uh, with a common goal working up to whatever that may be next year. That's a really, really great takeaway. Thank you, Derek. That's right. No, that's, that's, that's what I'd like to see. I'm quite happy um, to help in any way. Um, we'll get you as the secretary. Thank you so much. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Derek, I really appreciate um, your thoughts there. And I'd like you, just behind you, if you could hand the microphone to Andrew behind you. Um, and uh, I'd like to also just introduce Andrew Wessel, who is uh, one of the key creators of the Coming Back Out Ball. We really could not have done this work without the genius of this man. Uh, Andrew uh, literally spoke to every guest that attended the ball, often for an hour, two hours on the phone, uh, speaking with so many different people about their um, reservations, but also their excitement about coming to the ball. And without Andrew's amazing organisational skills, I don't think we would have got into the door. So I just want to publicly acknowledge what a genius this man is. Um, but we'd also like to ask um, Andy what you felt significant, uh, what you felt surprising and what we need to be thinking about for the future. Thank you. Um, I did write some notes but I left them in the cafe. Um, so I'm reading from Tristan's email. Um, I think the significant things for me were the number of people that came to the ball by themselves 
um, and how big of a deal that was for many people who are very socially isolated um, and don't feel connected to any sort of community. Um, there was one gentleman who had recently come out as a gay man after two marriages and he was 68 and was also um, thinking about the idea that maybe he was trans um, and it was the first event that he'd ever been to, um, uh, you know, LGBTI event and just how um, much courage that took but also how that offering of the ball felt so safe for him to come along. Um, there was another person who contacted me and we spoke at some length and they were six weeks post-op um, and that was their debutante as, uh, as a woman coming out at the Coming Back Out ball. Um, and I just think those um, stories and those, um, that ability for people to enter that space with that baggage and how brave many people were to come by themselves to an event where... Um, many people um, were coming as couples or with friends. Um, so for me that was very significant and something that um, really should be relished into the future because that, that alone um, is a su huge success. And what was surprising to you? Um, there were so many surprises, to be honest. Um, I think the energy of the volunteers um, was incredible. I don't think we could have pulled it off without the support of so many amazing individuals that came and just, um, as Derek said, you know, checked in with people, sat with people, um, engaged with people throughout the whole night. Um, so I think that was really, that was one amazing thing um, and quite surprising that, they just got it and they got it right from the word go. And the energy across everybody that was there. What was surprising to me was at 10.30, everybody got up for the dance party. Yeah. Nobody was like, oh, I can go home now. It was dance party on, yeah. So that yeah, was and I think, um, you know, that's one thing that could definitely be, if there was a coming back out ball too, is actually just more time for that dancing because yeah. everybody relished that opportunity to mingle and meet and dance and party and slut drop and do all that crazy stuff. <laughs> Great. Derek, you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> um, I think, yeah, I mean, that's a really big question. Um, how do you move forward with something with such a, an amazing success? I think it's about reaching the people that weren't, weren't there um, as I started with, you know, there were very there were a lot of people that heard about the event at the last minute, um, right up until quarter to six, that heard, were hearing about the event and arriving. But how to reach those people that are incredibly socially isolated or, um, yeah, are not connected at all, and helping um, them attend and, um, yeah, and I guess working on that and creating the community. Um, externally from the event. I think it's an amazing opportunity to have these one-off events, but um, the success of these events only work with the community. As Tristan was saying before, that building, you know, over a couple of years, having people feeding in, but it's also about um, what we do with that and the networks that we create through events like that. I think that's one thing that um, going forward is incredibly important. And not to underestimate the impact that the ball had on people who didn't go. 
the impact yeah, of people reading it through the media or hearing from friends. Um, it's gone in the media across the world. So um, major impact. Who's our next speaker? Lizzie is um, one of my dear friends and mentors as well. And it'd be great to maybe speak about that as, uh, as well because a few times we asked Lizzie to be part of that media uh, junket uh, and was very generous in terms of sharing her own lived experience and stories. And I know that wasn't an easy thing for you. So maybe thinking about how you're involved in that capacity as well, what did you find surprising about not just the ball but also that process of being involved and, and revealing some of yourself in that way? Yeah, I think... Um, just, if you can just hold up. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I think I surprised myself a little bit um, about um, being brave enough to do it. Um, I've come from a fairly conservative family, very devout Christians. So the, uh, you know, even to come out was very difficult in the beginning. I also have had a beautiful child in the early days. She was very young. And I think I was a bit nervous and I would say to my family, look, I'm supposed to talk on the project, what do you think? I found myself checking in with them because I didn't want them to be affected in any way. So it's still that stigma and discrimination that, you know, you think you've got rid of all those Christian values that, that you know, guided you in a certain way, but you really have to fight it your whole life. Um, for me, anyway, that's how it was for me. But the experience of doing that gave me an incredible sense of family, of belonging to this community, um, of standing up, uh, in particular for people who can't stand up for themselves and giving them a voice. Um, I've worked uh, for a long time with people living with HIV in this country since the onset. Uh, I've witnessed their stigma and discrimination, their incredible pain, but also their bravery and, um, and I wanted to speak out for them too, that, you know, this group of people have led the way... I believe, Derek, you are my hero, that this group of people have led the way for all of the social changes that we're able to experience now by having the right to vote for same-sex marriages. This would never have happened without our elders, so I really take that off to them and also to myself because I am an elder also. <laughs> I forget that. Um, for the ball, Tristan, I just think that I've worked as a district nurse for 35 years also. I've seen loads of stigma, discrimination. I've seen loads of social isolation amongst the elderly generally. And I think for this ball to bring our group of elders together was wonderful. To just, I just stood back at one moment in time and looked around the room and saw so much joy and so much love. And I know that it made people feel that they had a sense of purpose, that they felt connected and those words are very easy to say, but they mean so much, I, w I would think. Um, and that they're not forgotten. You know, older people feel invisible. You feel asexual. You know, you're not intelligent. I felt wonderful that night. I had a great outfit on. I, I just felt so sexual and so beautiful. And I know Derek did. I know Tammy why not had her eye on you too, <laughs> she didn't did, she? She did, and I would have taken her up on the offer, but she didn't come forward. <laughs> No, it was a great night, great entertainment. Um, I guess moving on to, to the ball itself, I think the mere magnitude and grandeur when I first arrived and there were cameras and there was this amazing 
rainbow staircase and balloons and people looked fantastic and people were happy and eager to get through the doors. And that energy and that love, it was just fabulous to me. And I brought my daughter and my son-in-law to the ball and my friend who I've known since I was 12 because I'm a migrant to this country. And she's a very, you know, posh Camberwell girl. And she said to me, if I was at a heterosexual ball, this would not be happening like it is tonight. This is absolutely fantastic. So that was a real joy to me to have my family there and my friend. Um, I, I agree with the volunteers were just exceptional. There was never a minute that they weren't next to your side guiding you through, which is very important, particularly to people that have come on their own, to feel like there's someone there to look out for them. I could go on, but I won't. I'll keep going. Um, yes, of course, I'd like another ball. That ball is a memory I'll take to my grave. It was fantastic for me to be there, fantastic for me to be part of that, Tristan, and I thank you so much and everyone else that, that was involved and all the people that I can see faces here that I would not necessarily have known unless that had happened. Um, I think to break down social isolation is very, very important. And we went to Warrnambool the other week and we talked to some uh, people down in Warrnambool and I think when we look at our country areas and even for me, I live in Cranbourne, which is out in the sticks for those of you that know Cranbourne, <laughs> you become very isolated there. It's quite, you know, um, garages up, garages down. We need to reach all people if we can. How we do that is a, probably another conversation. Um, a lot more involvement with local councils, starting groups within local councils could be one way to reach it, particularly in those areas. Um, trips, dancing, of course, the, the monthly dance is wonderful, but what about other things like trips and, you know, going to some arts and things like that that really keep pe people connected and they love it. So, look, I think that's, that is an area that, that we can discuss. So, so is it about taking everything that was good about the ball, the connections, the pride, the bravery, taking that out to everyday life? Absolutely. Yeah, continuing and really, that. And, and as someone said, getting everyone involved in that that wants to be involved in that because the power of being older is having had that lived experience. Yes. And we can, we can give a little bit back, but it also makes us feel so wonderful in doing that. And I think with the new Pride Centre that it's really imperative that we have our elders involved in that Pride Centre, that there is a section there for our elders and that this is not just sort of some sort of um, new age thing about, oh, well, guess what, you know, people are getting older. Hello, this has been going on forever and it will go on forever. So I'd like to see that happen at the Pride Centre. Great. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Who have we got next? Um, we might hand over to Pauline Cremary. I'd just like to acknowledge... Pauline's huge amount of work as well. Uh, the ball was actually uh, only as good as it was because it was partnering with the wonderful LGBTI Ageing and Aged Care Conference that Pauline had put probably just as much, if not more, work into creating, uh, which was uh, a two-day conference, for those that don't know, a two-day conference that uh, connected... Um, national and international uh, thought leaders, um, aged care providers, LGBTI elders and allies together to discuss some of the issues that we need to be thinking about before, uh, as we do all age and also how do we consider uh, aged care and uh, inclusion and accessibility. Uh, it was really a phenomenal two days and uh, we were really honoured to partner with you because it actually embedded uh, a big celebration with the social mission and the hard work that you've been doing as well.
Thanks, Tristan. Um, yeah, I think uh, it was amazing being or well, partnering with uh, the Coming Back Out Ball and having uh, almost a whole week of um, acknowledgement and honouring and celebration of LGBTI elders. And I think that doesn't often happen, that we often think about LGBTI people as young people, but it's really important um, that as a community we're thinking about what we need to do for people as they age. And we've heard a lot about social isolation and we know that there is a lot of social isolation um, but I think the ball was a fantastic way to bring people together and hopefully that's opened the floodgates and that we will see a lot more services and service providers working together um, to ensure that older LGBTI people are part of their service programming and part of the activities that they have um, and certainly through the conference, um, it was fantastic that we had so many national and international guests that came to the conference, that also um, many of them came to the ball. One of the successes of the conference is that we have a lot of older LGBTI people, uh, the LGBTI elders. So the conference is not just a talk fest of service providers, but it's also, um, importantly, elders um, telling service providers, policy makers, etc., what it is that they need as they age. And um, it was fantastic to partner with the conference. It was only two years ago when we had the second national LGBTI Ageing and Aged Care Conference that I met Tristan and I remember having a couple of conversations with him on the phone beforehand but we also, um, Tristan came to speak to both Catherine Barrett and myself after the conference and, and talked about um, all the Queen's men and the plans for the coming back out ball and I thought, oh yeah, you know, I thought, I had an inkling that this was a different individual who was going to make this happen and, um, and, um, and I'm not surprised that it did happen because I don't think um, from that conversation onwards um, Tristan ever dropped the ball and he, um, he and Beck and everyone else involved um, worked very much with us. Even though we, our, our events were quite separate, I think the partnering of the events together um, gave both of the events more um, more scope, and I definitely spoke to a lot of elders up through um, uh, in the planning up for the conference as well as the ball. Many of them didn't know about the ball, so it was also a great opportunity for them to also come to to the ball. And of course, the dance club that is also hosted by all the Queen's men. Um, I was just going to ask Pauline, you know, we've heard a lot of great feedback and community building and, and pride and bravery. Is there any sort of critical feedback that you could give to think through for the future? It could be, you know, not just, you know, criticizing this guy, but <laughs> <laughs> thinking, you know, as a community, what are the issues we need to work on a little bit harder? Um, I think some of the intergenerational aspects that occurred both at the conference but also the ball um, is something that hopefully will continue into the future. But we also can't have one um, 
one organisation hosting one event once a year or whenever, um, as well as the dance club. We need other service providers to step up to think about what they're doing in so far as organising social activities and events. So, you know, I'm thinking about local government and, you know, I'm an ex-local government worker and a lot of the programs that are offered for older people are very heteronormative. So thinking outside of the box, thinking about who their community is and ensuring that services are reflective of the whole of community, not just one little part of community. And I think the responsibility has to move more, um, not only the rainbow communities, but um, allies are also really important and, and mainstream service providers as well as LGBTI organisations, providers and arts, etc. Great. Thanks very much. Just ask as well in terms of thinking about that. So we're thinking about that within. Can we also think about that? How do we? What are some thoughts in terms of how we're making that for Melbourne as a city? Do you have any ideas about what what could be some ways that we could start thinking about what that actually means? Um, I guess the million dollar question. There was a lot of discussion at the conference around um, service providers providing activities for everyone that 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 they come in contact with. So hopefully those messages start to trickle out. I mean, we have been talking about this for a long time, um, ensuring that, that um, programs are reflective of everyone. And we often like to say that we want to move from aspiration or talking about it to a bit of perspiration, a bit of action. So I think, you know, now is the time that services really do need to think about LGBTI elders. I'm, we're, we're, we're at that. Well, we're at the end of the survey, and we're about to to find out um, um, how the vote has has gone. And I think one of the things that at Vel's LGBTI Aging and Aged Care we have really noticed is there has been a lot of focus on youth and how this has affected young people and families, etc. But we haven't spent as much time thinking about our LGBTI elders and what what this period, this recent period has meant for them. I think the ball was great to be part of this, um, um, I, I don't know if it's a momentous period, but, you know, this, this survey, to have the ball as part of that certainly has meant that elders have been at the forefront. Um, but we need more work. Um, just to let everyone know, there is catering, and I really recommend everyone dig in. It's delicious. Thank you so much, uh, M Pavilion and Sibling Architecture, for uh, all of the catering. I guess one of the things that was has really um, surprised me and made me feel very, very uh, proud is that the the different people that I've met along the journey, uh, we did hold um, a, a open call for anyone to come in to feed into the session initially two years ago. And Ardi Tibby was one of the uh, people that came and attended the event and was incredibly generous and very direct at that time, which I really, really responded to. Uh, and uh, Ardi uh, came to the event and it was one of your first mixed events as well, the Coming Back Out Ball, for a very long time. So I actually am very... Um, I'm honoured that uh, Ardi has also been one of my mentors and uh, provided me with a history that not necessarily is mine, but has had the generosity to share that with me. 
to degrees in terms yeah. of uh, in terms of letting me know about that, and also the informed choices that you've made about the reasons why you uh, th- that exists and the lives that you've lived. I'd like to offer an opportunity for you, um, Adi, to talk about what was surprising about the event uh, as one of your first mixed events in a while. Well, um, thank you, Tristan. I was surprised at what a good time I had. <laughs> Even though I had really put a lot of energy and discussion into trying to do my part to provide information about what might help and work and getting friends to come along and la 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 la, I really had a smashing good time and thought it was a fantastic, like, whoop dee doo event. Um, and of course, As usual, I have some suggestions and some criticisms, and that's just fine. But I want to start off with thanks to everybody, every volunteer, everybody who has put any time, paid or unpaid, into any of this. It was a terrific effort and a terrific outcome, and you have every reason to be very proud of yourselves. Now, as to the future, I have some notes. Regarding the prize, the Pride Center, Hootsits, be sure that you include at least one or two small to medium-sized venues for small to medium-sized events, like book launchings and small plays and discussion groups and birthday parties not huge events. We don't need a gymnasium. But, 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 but sometimes what we need is a room for free that we don't have to pay $500 for an insurance policy for a million dollars when in history nobody has ever fallen down at one. You know, so get real. You are dealing with a population that by and large is not as well off as the general population. And many of us, especially the women, are fucking poor. We live on pensions. So keep that in mind when you're planning events. And when you are planning events, like for the aged care thing, provide some way of non-bureaucrats who are paid by their workplace to be there at three or four hundred dollars to attend or to have input so that the people who are affected by the policies have some input into the policies, not just the policy carrier outers. Uh, Regarding elders, one of the special gifts from you, Tristan, has been for the first time in certainly 30, perhaps 50 years, as a feminist, female-born, lesbian, old woman, I felt not just heard, but understood, agreed with, and obeyed. (laughs) 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 That, That what I said actually made sense to you and that you put it into practice and all of us have said that about you that we all felt understood each of us felt 
if not obeyed, certainly agreed with and understood, and that you have done your utmost to provide what we said we wanted for us, not just to take the survey and then get paid for putting a report into a government service. I have been surveyed over my lifetime as an activist lesbian probably 700 times by various bureaucracies and agencies and women getting their master's degree or their PhD and what was it like to be a Bardike and what was the feminist revolution all about and blah, 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 blah. And all of those reports and all of those papers have gone somewhere. Well, I'm telling you what, they haven't made much difference to the individual lives of any gay man or gay woman that I have ever heard of. Once in a while, a little policy change happens and we all go whoop-de-doo. Once in a while, a government minister shows up at one of our events and says, I love you, I hear you, but nothing happens. Your gift to us was that something happened and that it was wonderful. And all the parts of the community were not just included, but invited, acknowledged, and celebrated for their presence. There is a difference between inclusion and acceptance. And there is a difference between acceptance and being joined in. And your event made us feel joined in. Our event. The, yes, our event. I sometimes refer to the LBG community as a stew. The gravy is that we are alternative to what is now called heteronormativity, which we used to call patriarchy. So that's the gravy, is that we all feel like we're alternative. We all feel like we don't belong. The substance of the stew is the potatoes and the onions and the carrots and the parsnips, and those are the gay men, the lesbians, the transsexuals, the intersex, all of those parts. And a proper stew is held by the gravy and also is allowed to stay itself so that when the dish is served, everything is there. The gravy is there, the potatoes are there, the carrots are there. Everything is there. And that's what is meant by inclusion, is that there is nobody left out. Everyone is included but that all are sharing the pot. The pot is the world. And in philosophical terms, the whole planet is the pot. And there are thousands of kinds of vegetables, not to mention forms of meat and tofu, that go into this pot called the planet. I concentrated on the potatoes and the carrots, which was the lesbians and the women. Because that was what was in my heart. That was where my possibility for joy existed. I came out as a bar dyke. I loved the drag queens. I went to the men's bars. And then as time went on, I focused more and more and more on lesbians and women's activities. So meeting Tristan and becoming involved in the planning of this particular event was my first time coming back out into the mixed gay world in a very long time. And I'm very glad I did. And I'm very happy about being there and participating in it. Now for suggestions. 
This was definitely a once-in-a-lifetime event, which begs the question of whether there could be another, because it was a once-in-a-lifetime. No matter what, there would never be another one like it. So I would encourage the next organizers of events to take a different tactic. Don't try to reproduce this. Take a different tactic. For instance, here's something. Um, perhaps the name of the ball, if you, or a big event, whatever it is, if you have a big smash which isn't a bad idea, but just don't try to reproduce it. Perhaps it might be the still coming out ball. Because continuingly, we all keep coming out, gay or not. We are all developing in our lives. And this ball was a huge moment in that development for all of us that participated in it and some that just heard about it. After the ball, when my picture appeared on the Facebook, I heard from friends that I haven't heard from in years. Oh, Artie, when did you get the beard? Well, I've had it all my life. It's perfectly natural, blah, 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 blah. Including a very lovely gay man. He and I were the best of friends for a while in the 70s. We went out dancing together. We were the same height, and we both wore white pants and Hawaiian shirts and thought we were just fabulous. But we lost track of each other. He saw my picture and got a hold of me. So now Randy, who is a celibate monk, <laughs> and I are reconnected. That's a lovely thing. It's absolutely lovely. So the ball has in enabled surprising things. An aspect of the ball that was a surprise and that I encourage you to continue was the volunteers. Not just friendly, but absolutely useful. Helping us onto the Uber, which was always late. Helping us into the place, up the stairs or up the elevator, coming around to the tables and talking to us. If you're talking about getting socially isolated people and rural people into an event of whatever sort. I've just been to an event where several new women came. Some were disabled and some were merely like myself, old. But they were enabled to come as single persons because somebody went to their house and picked them up. Simple pimple. If you're too unstable on your feet, you are not going to get onto a tram or a train, even though it's only across the street. So keep in touch with every volunteer that you had and see if you can put them together address-wise with people that want to come to events to befriend them, to give them a lift to an event, and add to the content of your events. The dances are wonderful. But art events, where everybody sits at a couple of tables and makes Christmas ornaments or Eastern ornaments or coming back out ball foa feather, boa feathers or whatever that might be. Because sitting around at a table or two with each other doing something so that you're not obligated to have a big DNM one-to-one -one, and it's not an interview and it's not taped but just getting together. That's where they will come in groups. 
you might consider the suggestion of going to city councils. City councils have availability to buses. If you go to a rural area, I don't know, Wangaratta, Shepparton, not somewhere, and tell them you want a bus to take the LBGTI people to the next whatever it is, decoration party, art project, mural making, mosaicing, ba-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da, and that you're going to have an event of some kind next year at the senior thing, and you want them to right now schedule a bus to go from their council to that event. Now, how's that for a practical suggestion? So it sounds like you've, um, you're encouraging using existing resources that are yes. out there. We it's haven't got enough about... money to make it all from scratch again. God knows. Listen, I've been an activist since the 70s. Yeah. People are asking like, are acting like refuges for women and rape crisis hotlines are a new thing. Yeah. Girls and boys, this has yeah. been in existence already a long time. Yeah. There is some infrastructure. Take advantage of it. That's great. All right. Can I just, well, before you go on to your next point, Adi, before I forget, also just acknowledge um, Andy was uh, working very much in cohorts with Maddie Dowling over here from the City of Melbourne. Maybe if you could give a big um, wave to everyone. Um, Maddie actually stepped um, above and beyond her capacity uh, to work in partnership with Andy and was the real reason, uh, these two were the real reasons the night was actually such a success because Maddie put together the team of 50 volunteers and both Andy and Maddie were the ones that managed that. The, the, um, there was a number of inductions. The, the care that was taken for those volunteers that Maddie um, and Andy did, but uh, Maddie was the first person to actually push that in terms of uh, the work, uh, the coming back out ball, really was one of the main reasons it was such a success. And we do have to bow down and acknowledge Maddie's Yay. huge amount of work. Just, just one more thing. In the women's community, and I assume in the gay male community too, Many of our late 50s to mid-70s folks, women, are involved in caring for elderly parents who are staying at home but declining or going into homes and declining and trying to get medical care and trying to get social care and la-di-da-di-da-di-da. This is a phenomenon because we are aging and lacking in services and our parents are also aging and lacking in servicing. We are the largest demographic that all these service providers have. There are more women than men on the planet. So theoretically, there are more lesbians than gay men, but you couldn't guess it. So pay attention to us. One of the, let's say maybe, if it isn't the, the parsnips, it might be the celeries, who are older, old women, who are caring for very old parents who need support and who might need a ride to a ball or an art project or something. This is something that councils can do because right now, GLBTI questioning asking alphabet is a hot topic and there is some money. It has never happened before and it will not happen again, trust me. So do it now. Build the infrastructures that we need now and that you, goddess willing, will need in the future. Because if you get old, if your parents get old, you are going to be without. Because one of the first things government does when it decides to save money is not 
stop buying submarines. It is to cut down on pensions. Or it is to cut services to disabled. And that will continue because the political structure is structured to do that. So right now, while there's some available, some money available, and some services that are functioning, yours, 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 all of them, do everything you possibly can to solidify your accomplishments and to make sure that they last for a while at least. And again, I want to thank every one of you who put even an hour of effort into that event, much less put your lives on hold for a long while to help it happen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Artie. That was amazing. We, well, I think it would be great now to actually hear from some of the volunteers and those that were actually um, part of uh, that process. Um, and maybe we'll hand over to Robert. And then maybe, Carolina, would you mind speaking as well? Would that be okay? Hi, everybody. My name's Robert. I was one of the volunteers who um, worked on... Thank you. ...worked on uh, the question and answer sessions with people, the evaluations, and it was great to be there. I suppose, for me, I don't really want to take up too much time because it feels like there's people who are more qualified to speak here than me, um, but I would say that I wanted to be part of the event but didn't quite know how... I wanted to go and see what it was like but didn't quite know how to access it because I didn't feel like I was the demographic, obviously. Uh, but I am a gay man and I wanted to go and I wanted to celebrate this, my elders and um, or be part of this amazing once-in-a-lifetime thing. And so actually volunteering did allow me to be part of it and to see that as well as help make it happen, which I did so in like a one-millimeter tiny little minuscule way, but I was very grateful to be there. Um, I also feel like it is, what's significant for me is that it's not necessarily, it is about my future. And actually investing in something like this is about me investing in where I'm going to go and what the society might be like and things are for people like me in the future, which is important. Uh, a thing that I thought was Im impressive was the sheer spectacle of the event. Not the spectacle of what happened on stage, but the spectacle of seeing the most diverse and well-dressed group of older people I've ever seen in my entire life. And that, that gathering in itself is a political act. I would also advocate moving from the idea of being recipients of, you know, the kind benevolence of people who've made this thing happen into taking ownership of this thing and making it happen again for other people and for ourselves and yourselves. <coughs> Excuse me. Because I was, uh, I realized on the night, I felt this kind of um, cosmic forces coming together <coughs> to gel this group of people together and move them from being just a group of people who've just arrived together in one place in one moment into a devastating political force that can change the world. It's, exactly. a, it's, a, it's not a gathering, it's a task force in the making, is what I thought. And because I was there talking to people, that was the main reason I was there, to talk to people and write down what they said. I did hear from people who'd come from a long way away just for this event, and I was really struck by... Um, there's no air conditioning keeping, keeping these evil trees out 
what is this? Who built this? <laughs> um, yeah, the people have come a long way. And, you know, someone at the beginning said <coughs> that this is an event um, about making livable Melbourne more livable, the most livable city in the world. Yep. Well, great. It's true. It's important. Obviously, the most livable city in the world needs to talk about how livable it is and how it can be more livable. But the people I spoke to who I was most interested in had come from a long way away to come to the event here in Melbourne. And it seems like the task force, as I will now call it, should be engaged in taking the ball elsewhere and f looking for places where this task force can make a big change. And actually, it's about making the rest of Victoria more livable, and especially for... Um, the, the people. A road show? Not just a road show, but um, a task force that makes change in rural mm. Victoria. And maybe franchise. a franchise. But the buses, the buses could get, also be used that for that. Bus. Already was talking what about if get the that next, bus and What if around? the next event wasn't in Melbourne, but was in a different location in Victoria, for example? And it, I think the impact would be much greater in changing perspectives if it was there. But of course, mobility and all of those things make it difficult. I was also, my, this is my last thought, um, was who wasn't there? Yes, I've talked about people who travelled a long way. And a couple of people spoke to me about how much their friends who died of AIDS would have enjoyed that event. And <coughs> I feel like, I don't know whether those people and other people who've died from tragic things like that were acknowledged particularly, the, ab the, the absent people, the people also who um, we've lost to mental illness, especially thinking about suicide and in our area, in our community. These are big things, and I think coming together like that is also just a... I know we have a lot of memorialization, especially around AIDS, but it felt like every party is also a party to absent friends as well as those still with us. And I feel that could be a thing. And I, my final thing is about what happened to the Q, you know, in the LGBTQ, I, and all the rest of your things, alphabet. in the alphabet. What happened to the Q in lots of... The mushrooms. <laughs> it's in the stew, but it wasn't named very much in the event. So I just wanted to put that out there. Maybe that's not so important, but I just wanted to place that there. Just the reason why question. we um, didn't, which is just was a choice, but um, that uh, the word queer can often be triggering for older demographics, uh, and it can also, because it was used as a, a, as a, a word that was derogatory, and hasn't necessarily been claimed back by the older, uh, older part, people of our community. And so out of respect of that, we use the acronym LGBTI simply so that we don't, within, within an elderly context. And that's also um, the same acronym that the state government now and the equality branch also use. And it's just simply, that's, that's the, the, the reason for, for not including the Q. Thank you. Can I just make a comment? Just, just, I will. Um, I just wanted to say, you know, yes, with the memorial and, and cause we're coming up to World AIDS Day, but... There's also a lot of people that have lived 30-odd years, 30-odd years plus with HIV that are still with us. And I think this is... The ball was fantastic for people to be, able to, to be able to come. There's lots of men and women in our community that have lost their lives, like Sonia, who have lost their lives to HIV. And I think the ball... That's another angle to the ball, was it was wonderful for people to be able to come to a ball 
knowing that they're positive and Derek's declared that, so I'm not outing anyone here, but, you know, this wasn't always the case that people could go to a ball and hold hands and dance and be accepted. So I think that was a wonderful thing for us. It was the, my other thought was I don't remember my coming out ball, so you know we've got a coming back out ball, but this still is this perennial coming out that we're all experiencing as well, isn't isn't there? And I thought that was my other thought: more balls <laughs> or less, <laughs> more ovaries. The coming back out ovary, great. Uh, but also um, considering uh, all of our different uh, parts of the soup, uh, the, the, the women's balls that happened here, the Tiffany balls, the men that uh, did uh, live through HIV, uh, as well as considering also what we need to be thinking about in terms of our First Nation LGBTI community as well. And I think you're absolutely right in terms of how that needs to continue, and I really appreciate those comments. Um, can we hand over now to Carolina maybe to have some thoughts? Uh, Carolina was one of our amazing uh, City of Melbourne volunteers. Uh, probably, although, you know, I, it's not definitive, maybe one of the best dressed volunteers, let me just say, that um, Marlena Dietrich realness at the front of the ball was, yeah, was absolutely phenomenal. Um, over to you. Ah, it was my pleasure to be asked to, through the City of Melbourne, to be asked to come and... Uh, and be a volunteer and um, interesting talking to the different people waiting downstairs to come in and guys saying to me, well, you know, we've got families but we uh, very often, go, uh, very frequently go out to functions where we can actually dance together and they were thrilled to bits to have that opportunity. There were some single people that were quite nervous there and, and weren't sure whether it was a really good thing to come at the table with da talking to David and him to uh, air what's happened to him in his life and how he's been treated and so forth. And another uh, gentleman there, probably about 52, and he debated and debated whether he'd come. Get on the train from Ferntree Gully and come there and he said, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll always come when they run another function like this. This is out of this world, you know. It was just fantastic. And the entertainment was brilliant. And the whole atmosphere, the presentation, it had such a lovely feeling and I think it was humanity at its best there to, that, on that night. Everybody was caring, there was no uh, hassles or anything and enjoying each other's company and be able to speak comfortably with each other and it was fantastic. Couldn't have done any better, thank you. Yeah. What do you think we should be thinking about for the future? Well... I got asked many, many times, are they going to repeat this function? Mm. And, uh, but I do think it's a good idea to spread throughout the state and give people opportunities, and especially the elderly, as I am, um, just to have conversation. Just, yeah. case, and, you know, yeah, and have a feeling of belonging and, and not forgotten. And as, you know, ageing is not always a good friend. And you just need someone... There's a lot of lonely people out in this city because I work with a number of projects within this city, so I 
am aware of that, yeah. What could be done to support those individuals, you said, that were maybe a bit nervous and not sure they should be there? Obviously, that's something they experience in their daily lives. Well, what do you, what do you reckon? Maybe you could have a program also to go and just keep touch base with them in their homes and just yeah. know that there's someone that will come there and uh, break up the day for them. Yeah, they're long, long days for a lot of elderly people who their families don't have too much to do with them or they don't have families and they, you know, just to air off their thoughts and, you know, realise that there are people out there that do sincerely care about them. Great, thank as you. As individuals. Um, I'm going to ask Joshua if he has any reflections. He was another volunteer who was talking to some folks on the night um, and he's new to Melbourne so he might have a different perspective as well. So what were some of the things that you heard that night, Joshua? Hi, thanks Marnie. Um, first of all, it was great to see so many posing for photographs and creating memories as I came into the venue. A few surprises. Um, so I came into the event um, through Marnie and my role there was to sort of ask a few questions to some of the people at the event to get some feedback going forward. I snuck out for a coffee and then on the way back I helped someone cross the street to the venue so that was sort of a surprising moment. Um, another surprising moment was when a fellow volunteer broke down into tears. Um, I suppose going forward is to think about maybe how you can support some of the volunteers. Um, so this volunteer, her partner came and made it a lot better for her, but I think she was sort of struggling with coming out herself. Um, I think going forward, I think, I think it would be good to embrace sort of cross-generational conversations. Um, I suppose coming from New Zealand, our gay community was a lot smaller, so there was a lot, of, a lot more sort of cross-generational sort of conversations and um, I think an after party would be something fun um, <laughs> and um, you know, maybe a place for the volunteers to have a drink afterwards um, and some feedback I got was sort of from some were to maybe have varied activities throughout the night, um, different zones, sort of quiet zones and loud zones and I think some feedback was to sort of maybe have more dancing throughout the night, you know, break up the event, um, yeah. Great, thank you. No There's sort of a section up there that's been kind of smiling and nodding, but any thoughts or add to the conversation? Is there anyone else that would like to answer? I see some people in the room. I haven't offered... Laurie is... I was just about to get to you. I just wanted that dramatic moment. Um, uh, Laurie was... Uh, Laurie is an actor and also one of the... Uh, had an amazing costume on the night have to absolutely um, bow down to your amazing costume. Laurie, we'd like to ask you what you thought was surprising on the evening. And I'll, let me hand this over to you. Madame. Thank you. What I felt more than anything was the goodwill. You could almost slice it with a knife. And that's what made it the magic evening. Now, whether we can ever replicate everything, everything went perfectly. You could feel this enormous machinery behind us, you know, indomitable. Nothing could stop it. It was absolutely wonderful. So that's my thing. And I think about what we can do. Please, please, I beg you, can we now include some of the homeless on the street? Can we bring them into this and give them a wonderful night? That's my thing. I have actually gone and sat on the footpath with them 
And when you get to know them and they've got little animals there that help keep them alive and how they love their animals and would rather give food. And when I got up to get up from the sitting on the thing that I asked the people passing by to help me and not one person, oh, drunk old woman, druggy. I don't care whether they're druggy or whatever, they're homeless on the street and that's disgraceful for us. So I think could we include that? Because instead of being all gay and everything, we've got to learn to meld in with one that when, when it's not noticed anymore. That's what I think we've got to work towards, you know. And can we find a gay choir? Wouldn't it be lovely to have and, and a gay organ pipe to play that beautiful organ, you know, and things like that that I, I think of, you know. But anyway, for, for the people on the street, can we include those, please? And this space, can you imagine us putting on a Midsummer Night's Dream in this space? With all the men playing the women's part and the women's playing the men's part. We'll have to talk about our um, acting debut together. I forgot what I was going to say about my big surprise. I was utterly astonished at the good quality of the food. I have never been to a large public event that had such good food. In fact, I have hardly ever been to a small private event that had such good food. It was really delicious. Everything arrived hot that was supposed to be hot and cold that was supposed to be cold. The drinks, I don't take alcohol, but the other drinks and the alcohol drinks were kept freely available and everybody wandered around from table to table bringing the drinks. It was wonderful. The, the catering was super duper. There's a gentleman up the top. Uh, just a couple of comments. Um, I was hugely impressed with the event. I was hugely impressed with the event. Um, I knew very little about the event before I uh, attended. Um, I'm surprised that not more of my friends came, but I think that will change next time if there is another, another event. Um, I was impressed by the generosity of everything. And you've talked about the food and, and beverage, the entertainment was fantastic, the decorations were fantastic. The volunteers were fantastic. What I would like to have had the opportunity to do um, on the night was to perhaps have more conversation um, and to bridge that gap um, uh, between the younger and the older attendees. Um, it was fantastic. I hope to see you all again there next year. How do you imagine creating that space for the intergenerational conversation? I mean, obviously, we can just choose to do it ourselves, but is there a way we could facilitate that, do you think? Um, perhaps just more time. Um, the entertainment was, um, was fantastic, but, and it was almost continuous. Yeah. Um, perhaps a few breaks would have been terrific. There was a moment in the, in the night when a volunteer actually brought Derek over to my table and introduced him to, to me, and we had a nice chat. Um, so the volunteers played a, a, a key role, and perhaps they would be able to support um, that kind of activity on the night. Thank you. Just, just building on Andrew's thought there, I think there's an opportunity to build something beyond just a single event. Yeah. So I'd like to see an opportunity for me being matched with someone as a friend, that I, I don't have a... A relationship with now. How can I build that relationship? And maybe there's a maybe there's something in that where we can it's a bit of a mentoring and brokering thing. 
just as a plug as well, Switchboard is an amazing organisation that have a program called Out and About. It's a visitation program for LGBTI elders uh, and they do look for volunteers uh, quarterly uh, and those volunteers then are able to visit people that are in socially isolated contexts, often in their own homes or also in aged care environments. I really would recommend everyone having a look at Switchboard and also coming to our monthly dance club. The next will be on the 3rd of December at the Fitzroy Town Hall. Pauline would like to... You don't have to dance as well. That's why I'm there. I hate dancing. Um, I'll also hand that over to Pauline. Can I just say, oh, while, the, um, while the Out and About um, Community Volunteers is a great program, um, you actually have to have an aged care package or be in residential aged care, which means you're kind of soci- not socially isolated necessarily you have some connection um lizzie and i were just saying wouldn't it be great to start something for older for lgbti elders who don't have an aged care package who aren't in residential aged care but just need someone to come and visit them so yeah yes I'll also just acknowledge that we did start a little bit late on the night. I'm not making any excuses, but the dance party should have gone for longer. I acknowledge that, and that was my fault because it was a little bit late starting. Um, I wanted at least a good hour of dancing, and there was probably only 45 minutes, so I have to apologise for that. Um, Is there anyone else? David, would you like to um, speak as well about your experience? David was one of the amazing uh, faces of the ball uh, who has been very generous in in sharing also your lived experience across a number of platforms in in terms of media and and coming to the dance club. David actually came to the very, very first dance club uh, in in the substation almost a year ago. David, what was surprising for you about the ball? Well, (coughs) Tristan, I had no idea it would be anything like that. I thought it was going to be something... Rather low-key, you know, just <laughs> this little group, you know. But uh, I was absolutely amazed. And, of course, when we first got in there, we, we had that uh, cloudy atmosphere, you know, to display the laser beams, you know. I thought, wow, this is a rather eerie sort of... Uh, and then that, that all cleared. But then all the people there, uh, it was just wonderful. But LGBTI, you think, oh, that's... It's quite a united group, but in fact, it's vastly diverse. And, and so this uh, occasion was ideal, I thought. And I thought, too, that the cabaret aspect of it was perhaps more important because so many don't like to dance. And at 87, I'm not that agile myself, I find. But uh, so the, the entertainment was superb and was time for dancing but, uh, yeah, I must say at the dance clubs, some of the dancers might be a little fast for me. I'm more into minuets and gavots myself. But <laughs> so, so there you are. That thing is, I have nothing prepared. So if you haven't got anything prepared, shut up. I'd just like to thank everybody, and especially the volunteers at, at the, the ball and... I feel like I have found my tribe. Can I also just acknowledge, do you mind me sharing a personal story that you passed on? Also, can we, do you want to just reveal what you revealed to me at the dance club about uh, the good friend sitting next to you? Well, I've, I first met Derek um, down in the days when the Prince of Wales was pretty big and I... 
when I walked in, um, I thought, I know that guy. And then the name came and I hadn't seen Derek for... Must be 30 years, 25, 30 years. And it was great for me to be able to say to Derek, you haven't aged a bit, sweetheart. <laughs> and for me to be able to recall Derek's name um, is a task for me. I've had heart problems and vision problems and I've had a stroke and finding the words to express exactly how I feel. It's, it's very difficult for me. Well, as I said, I've rediscovered where my tribe is again. <laughs> Thank you. So um, thank you so much for the generosity of sharing. There's some really um, fantastic takeaways, actually, from that. Uh, we'll be starting, starting up our monthly regular committee on Tuesdays. Uh, no, uh, but I, I really appreciate everyone being incredibly generous in terms of how we can look towards the future. We have certainly been placed with a very interesting thing in that the event was a huge success. We thought it would be a success, but actually at that point in time, with the people in that room, it, was, it absolutely exceeded our um, expectations. So we are terrified about the second disappointing album that may be released next year. It's always never as good as the first album, is it? Um, so we'll, we certainly we're already thinking about how we shift and change. So I think that's been some really practical, fantastic suggestions in relation to that. As an artist, though, I'd just like to ask everyone in in this conversation what you thought the art was. We had a, we've talked a lot about social inclusion and what it meant to be, but can anyone talk to me about what they thought if there was any art? happening in that space or what they understand of that question. Because you have to remember it was an artist who was leading this idea and started this idea, yeah? So there's different types of art that we experienced that night. Does anybody want to describe what they think it was? I thought it was the art of presentation. Starting from the rainbow carpet, walking into the room with the huge chandeliers, all the tables so nicely dressed, the whole presentation invited you in the way a good piece of music or a good piece of art or anything else does. So that set the scene for everything else that became possible. So the design of the room, the way the tables were planned out, the way the stage was planned out, um, the way the help was positioned around to deliver the drinks and the food and the da-da-da. All of that preparatory work, which as any house painter knows is 90% of it, uh, was beautifully done. So in terms of art, the presentation was fantastic. I'd just like to say, Tristan, when I first met you, I had no idea what you were about. Um, I, hard as I tried. No, not really. But I, I, when he left, I thought, who is this man and what is he on, really? You still think that, come on. Yeah, still think that. But, you know, now I know. And I think the art for me was one man's daring to dream, having a vision, and collectively 
getting ideas from people and actually bringing that dream to fruition. So to me, that night was like a big dream come true. So, you know, the whole picture of the thing was like a big painting to me. So that was the art for me, that dream come true. Thank you. Can I say that I think, um, and I talked a bit about um, aspiration to action before, and I think it was um, art in action. Um, he didn't just talk about it, he actually did do something and obviously has made such a huge impact and, and a difference and hopefully that continues. Uh, for me, it was a curation of everything from the food to the people to the people sitting on the tables. Um, every single part of that event was curated um, and curated with an awareness of the people that were coming and their experience from arrival, uh, getting on the website, making the phone call. Every single step um, was curated and that vision was very clear from the start from Tristan and what that might look like and what how it happened. You know the... Um I think it's the Latin root of curation, is to care for. To care for, yeah. Right? So, you know, in an art gallery, a curator cares for the paintings, but the work that your team did was caring for people. Yeah? Caring for community. Uh, Robert, what was the art? Mm, I was just running over how so many people said that um, there's been a lot of discussion about how to activate uh, care and services for this generation of people, but it takes an artist to come along to actually make something happen, to cut through all the bullshit and just get on with it. And that's obviously, I don't know, that's not actually answering the question, but I think that's what the answer is. You know, we need more artists to figure out what is needed, and then not stop until it's done. Would anyone else like to feed into the art question? I have one more question as well, well before, um, as well. Just thinking about now a more broader context. Um, obviously, this day, which has been, we absolutely bow down to the M Pavilion, also sibling architecture, for having us here to have this fantastic conversation. Um, part of this day is about thinking about what we need to be doing uh, broadly within Melbourne. So maybe in the same way that I did two years ago and said, what would you like for the ball? Throw it out. And I think we had Katie Lang coming along and I think we also had a few other things. Uh, uh, that was your suggestion, actually, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember the two years ago, I think you said, well, let's bring Katie. Like, it was a dream space. Let's have that same sort of idea about what we could think about for Melbourne, for uh, our elderly and our LGBTI elderly. What are some dreams that you can be as audacious as you like that you would do if you were the Lord Mayor for a day to change or to shift or to activate Melbourne in different ways? Maybe what we'll do is um, a bit of rapid fire and pass the microphone around. So if you have an idea, say it and pass it on. Uh, celebration. Uh, people of colour. Uh, inclusion for everyone. Um, more spaces for intergenerational activity for those people who want it. Uh, to be to be creative. A moomba float.
uh, cross-generational. I'm going to be pejorative in this case. I find I'm talking about the men and gay men in particular. They're very hard to budge, these seniors. We need something really to lift them. Yeah. And that's, I wish it very well. It has, if I, anything I could do, do to help, I'll be in it. More intergenerational um, activity. Oh, look, I just think the same word is inclusiveness and just keeping people together. Yeah, sticking together. Sticking together. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be quite particular. I think we should um, try and get somebody like Mary G over from Perth, the in Indigenous artist. I think she would be great and she'd jump at the opportunity. Or perhaps some people from the Northern Territory, from the Torres Strait Islander community. Inclusion of the refugees and asylum seekers. Goodwill. I think uh, um, community artworks, where you actually create an artwork at the time, on the spot, in the site, that gives people a, a focus to get together to, to talk about, and at the end of the night you have something that's been made on the day. Along with a big splash -o, a whole series of ongoing small to medium, intergenerational, being sure to include peoples of color, artistic focused events, like making a mosaic. Um, one of the things that we used one time, several times in the US was to get together as a group and make something, anything, and then to raffle it off at the splash -o event a mosaic, a quilt, an art piece, a mural, or whatever. Um, so, it's, uh, when you're talking about inclusion, including small to medium, ongoing, specialized, as well as a big O, and that the big O would contain the smaller specialized. Um, Melbourne is already very, very inclusive, in the sense that lots and lots and lots of different kinds of people live here. The point is to get the potatoes and the onions and the carrots in the same gravy at the same time. It doesn't have to be a giant stew. It could be a little small pot. Lots of little pots. That's good. I think that's a, that's a good way to end the conversation. Um, see if anybody over here wants to add anything. No? Um, I would just like to thank Marnie Badham for uh, co-hosting and also being the um, impetus in terms of like designing this conversation today. It's really, really been um, incredibly useful and we're really thankful for your investment in the project as a whole. Um, we are very excited that we'll be releasing some evaluation that will be public um, and the evaluation is taking on today and also uh, what we should be thinking about for the future. So um, we'll make sure that that's available towards the end of the year. Um, and we really appreciate the openness and directness about this conversation here. Uh, just to do a little plug, there is uh, our final LGBTI Elders Dance Club free at the Fitzroy Town Hall on Sunday the 3rd of December. Uh, we'll wel welcome everyone, come one, come all. Uh, there certainly will be extra bottles of uh, drinks and food provided um, and we'll have a fantastic way of uh, a smaller, maybe more of a medium, medium event to come together. Um, and we will also be in touch in the new year to think about what we should be doing for... 2018.
Um, thanks so much for coming. There is still thanks, a few guys. more drinks and food. Please feel free uh, to mill around. We'll have an informal conversation for about uh, half an hour. And then there's some other events that are happening. Can, Timothy, can you tell us the next event that will be taking place here? I should say thank you firstly for the conversation just quickly and say that it's amazing to hear something very open in a very semi-public space. And I think what, and a comment that was said earlier was that it's not just about acceptance, but about joining in. And I think that's why there's such a strong spirit here because of the way that that was set up. So thank you for making this happen. Um, um, so the next event, uh, 3 p.m., there, there is a, a global engineering company, Arab, and they're coming here with some of their elders from their office to look at designing social spaces. And they'll be building these at one-to-one -one scale as well, if that makes sense. So um, we'd like to thank the M Pavilion for having us here and also Sibling Architecture. Um, have a great afternoon and thank you so much for your input.